welcome to the Ease of Business podcast for the Enlightened Entrepreneur, hosted by Lisa Shermerhorn and Celeste Hartwell. Here is where we help disruptors gain clarity on how to make a bigger impact while living a life of abundance through reading amazing books that have helped us in business. Thanks so much for joining us and let's get into it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Celeste Hartwell with my beautiful co-host, Lisa Shermerhorn. And today on the Ease of Business podcast, we are talking about the fifth agreement because we read the four agreements a couple months ago and we apologize to those of you who may have been waiting for this particular episode because we realized we were supposed to do it last month and then we had to slip in Lisa's book before (laughs) launching this actual episode but this book was really an interesting read after reading Lisa's book last you know a couple weeks ago um, in every belief there is a lie Uh, Because this book, The Fifth Agreement, is actually really, really similar. And so, um, yeah, like I I, I wrote down some notes. So we're just going to kind of have a conversation about it. Lisa, did you have anything to add before we get started? Yes, because I listened to it on audio book in my car and I was laughing because I said, thank God I listened to this after I wrote my book because it would have been hard for me to write because there were so many similarities. And one of the things that I loved because he used a lot of metaphor and stories. And um, as we get into it, there was something really, really powerful where he talked about how we see ourselves and how other people see us. And he used the metaphor as a movie theater. And um, I don't know if you want to go into that right now as we're going. Let's do it. He talks about how we see ourselves because of our programming. Mm -hmm. If you imagine a movie theater with, let's say, a hundred, you know, a hundred different movies going on and you walk into the first one and you're looking up and it's all about you and your life and how you perceive yourself. And then you go into the next screening room And then there's your mother and you see how she sees you and you're like, wait a minute, that's not me. I'm nothing like that. And then you go into the next one and maybe it's your partner. And then you see how they see you. And you're like, wait a minute, that's not me at all. I don't do those things. And it was so fascinating because it's the lens of how each person perceives you. And then he started to talk about maybe we don't even know ourselves. Hmm. And that was a mind blower. So, and, and it's interesting because it went deeper because I've had people ask me about how do you know, is every belief you have a lie? Uh, how do I know when there's a belief that's a lie? Because I think I know who I am. And when he went into that kind of detail of how other people see ourselves, it's through their lens. Do we even know who we are? It was, it was such a cool metaphor. Well, I love that you brought that up because it reminds me of one of my mentors. um, And, and maybe she read this book and maybe this is where she got it from, but she talks a lot about how in, if your life were a movie, you are the main character of your movie. And so sometimes we take offense to other people, not realizing like what's going on with us, but we have to remember like, 
Lisa, you're the star role of your movie and I'm the star role of my movie and my partner is the star role of his movie. And even though like he and I are clearly like co-life, you know, sharing life together and in every in our everyday journey together, he still has a different experience of me and life than what my experience is of myself and life right and and it's such a it's such a you it's such a good thing to remember that like i think this is one of the things why like in the four agreements don't take anything personally exactly how can you take things personally when we genuinely don't know where other people have come from right that's so beautiful yes it's yeah so i i mean Starting off reading this book, I was I, I was brought back again to the Four Agreements, where he talks a lot about the domestication. And in this book, he and his son, right? It's Don Miguel um, Ruiz and Don Jose Ruiz, um, kind of speaking as one person in this book, which I thought was cool. But they're talking about symbols and how like our language has been created and how we're just meant to create things and it was like explaining the domestication and how we're all domesticated in some way shape or form by ideas philosophies methodologies religion community societal whatever um in these ways we've been taught how to make people happy. We've all been taught to people please, right? We've been rewarded or punished based on what the rules of the community, the tribe are at the time. Um and I just I just loved that he went so much deeper. They went so much deeper into that in this book because in the first one I was like, "Oh my god, I am so domesticated." Right? Like um and and also I had a little bit of pushback with that, but I, I liked the way they went into a little deeper here. Uh, yeah, the domestication is interesting. Um, uh, I listened to his Sadhguru um, talk at one point, and he was he was talking about the fact that we put meaning when you talk about the symbols and everything. We put meaning into everything, and he talked about if someone is is talking to you in a foreign language that you don't know. And they're calling you every name in the book. You just sit there and you laugh, but you have no idea what they're saying. So we don't have meaning to those symbols and how someone else can use in our own language things to say to us. And now all of a sudden these symbols have meaning that we have created because I have a symbol that they have a different meaning than you have for that symbol. And we have to be aware of that when we're communicating with people, because this is where miscommunication happens. Certain cultures, certain religions, certain peoples, just the way they are, they were brought up, certain words and, and things that happen will trigger people where others, they don't care about it. And with the five agreements is also um, don't take anything personally because people are doing the best they can. And that's the other part of it is, is that always assume that people are doing the best they can, even if it's something that we don't like may feel hurtful. 
because it's from their perspective. I love that. What I really, and they talk about this in the beginning and then they come back to it at the ends, but they really talk about how like basically the fifth agreement is complete acceptance of yourself just the way you are and the complete acceptance of everybody else just the way they are. And I really loved that because there's such a level of compassion and understanding and maturity is what comes up for me. Whereas like, I feel like in our culture and maybe it's just human nature, it is way easier to fight. I I just saw this on a TV show. It's way easier to fight than it is to communicate our feelings. Um, And, and I was like, Oh, that's true. Like who knew that this little sitcom was going to like drop a truth bomb on me. Um, But it's true, right? Like it's way easier to get defensive and to raise our guard than to be vulnerable and open and and really um, honoring the other person in that way. But when we do that, we get so much back. Like we just get so much back. Yeah. You know, I'm just when, when, oh my gosh, I just completely lost my track of thought. I was, it was coming and then it just left me. What were you just talking about? (laughs) we automatically go into a defensive mode instead oh, oh, of being yes. vulnerable yes. yes because everyone and everything around us is a mirror yes so all of those things that happen in our lives are a direct reflection of where we are internally so when we get triggered then I I always try and sit and go, what is it in me that I have to take care of and try and get to a place of neutrality versus pointing my finger, judging someone else and giving them a hard time because there's this saying for every finger that I point at you, how many fingers are pointing back at me? So when I'm judging you and blaming you and saying that you're the reason for my misery and unhappiness, no. Because if I were able to heal those wounds and get myself to a place of neutrality, then someone can say something and I'd be like, not my problem, not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> right. right. Oh my God. So when you said the finger pointing and three fingers yeah. pointing, I had a memory of one of my like babysitters when I was a child used to say that all the time. Like when you're pointing blame at someone else, three fingers are pointing back at you. And when we're, we're, and, and so this actually is a beautiful lead in into the stages that they kind of talked about in the, in the second half of the book, where when you're, it's almost like a path to enlightenment. I really am tentative about using that word, but it's almost like when you're really living the four agreements, the right. the, fi- the five agreements, um, then you're kind of moving into this space. And so they talk about the stages and the first stage is victim, which we've all been there. And, and I'm still there in certain areas of my life. I know that I'm getting better, but like, you know, our culture kind of, celebrates victimhood in a way uh victimhood definitely creates commerce (laughs) if i'm if something's wrong with me then i need to buy something to fix that or take a pill or go see a therapist or something right yes yes and it keeps us from taking responsibility for our life and so i'm watching so many people advocate responsibility for their own unhappiness 
and actually not advocate the opposite of that. Um, abdicate, not yes. advocate, abdicate uh, responsibility for their own happiness. And, and that I was is, like, who's advocating for responsibility for their own no, happiness? No, no. I was like, I want to see these people. No, 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 no. I meant abdicate. Yes. It's, yes. it's been a long day um, because it's easier to do that. It's easy right. to blame someone else. It's easy to sit at the TV and, and look at politics and say, it's my politician's fault. It's the economy's fault. When right. in reality, you can it's reframe my mom's it. Fault. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I feel so bad for my mother now because I, I think about my own children and all the things that they're probably blaming me for. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and, you know, and my father and my ex-husband and my dog, my kids, it's all, it's all about really taking full responsibility. And another book that talks a lot about that is um, by Byron Katie, Loving What Is. Yeah. Is that true? And really questioning yourself, is that really true? And when you go through that process, it helps you really understand where these wounds are coming from, where these beliefs are coming from. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I, and so this is not also to blame anybody who may be in a victim space in their life, right? Like this is just like shining a light on, like, this is part of a human's journey. And, and so they talk about that in the book and it came up for me because it is so much easier to pass the blame. And for me, I remember like my first um, 10 day silent meditation retreat, Vipassana retreat that I attended it was super triggering for me because you're in silence and Vipassana silence is really strict. Um, zero eye contact, zero hand gestures with anybody. You can't write notes. The only person that you can talk to is the spiritual teacher in very certain circumstances once a day at a certain time and only about the meditation technique, right? So you are really with yourself for 10 days in a very confronting way. For me, it was super confronting because all of a sudden I was like, nobody is here. I can't blame anybody else. And I'm fucking pissed, right? Like I just, so I had a lot of anger that was unprocessed um, that I didn't know how to sit with. And it was very difficult for me because of that. And there were days that were blissful and the best thing I ever did. People always ask, how was that? I always say it was the best thing I ever did and the worst thing I ever did. It was heaven and hell all in the same 10 days. Um, but yeah, because it was so confronting, because I could not blame anything, all of my feelings, nobody was there doing anything to me. There was no one that I could take my rage out on in that moment. Um, I had to really feel it. So it can be difficult, rewarding but difficult, right? When we're taught to give it to somebody else, blame somebody else, kind of push that off. I love that you talk about that. And 10 days is a long time. I can't, I mean, I've done silent breakfast that I've barely gotten through and I'm still doing, you know, hand motions and, and, uh, you know, nodding eye contact, people and yeah. eye contact. So, so I don't know how I would be able to get through 10 days without communicating, without eye contact, because we're also by nature want to touch, want to hug, want to communicate. So you're we're really taking creatures. yourself, we are social creatures. And so you're really taking yourself out of your complete element of your comfort. And the fifth element, the fifth, the fifth agreement where they talk about is be skeptical. Mm-hmm. 
but learn to listen. So, yes. so sitting there and, and not, not trusting every single thing that you hear because that's the program. So, so when someone says something to you, it doesn't mean it has to be your truth. Question it. Does right. this resonate with me? Is this something that I want to integrate into my life? Or is this something that doesn't resonate? And then I just put it aside, but honor it and honor it that it belongs to someone else. Because these days, the hardest part is watching people be so divisive. It's like you're either on one extreme of the spectrum or the other, and there's no room for dialogue anymore. So if right. you're, you're on one side, you are this. And if you're on the other side, you're that. And, and I, it really, it really bothers me because what I always try and do and stay neutral, most people have no idea where I stand on anything because is it really up to me to make sure that someone else agrees with me and on all of my points? If someone wants to have a dialogue with me and want to have a conversation, I will, but who am I to tell someone how they need to be? Well, and even that, like I find, I I don't know if you've experienced this, Lisa, I feel like you have, but even that, like I also am very tentative about who I will really engage in a conversation around certain topics with, because I have to really trust that that person is going to be respectful no matter where I land on a topic, right? And so that's not to say that I won't have difficult conversations with people, but I I think that we know at this point, like who in our circles will be respectful of, of our thoughts and feelings and try to see it from our side and who won't be, who will just be confrontational and disrespectful and, um, and, and feel righteous in a way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. So it, it is about being be skeptical, protect yep. your own beliefs, but be open to be flexible, that growth mindset and knowing when to um, look at your own beliefs and say, one of the things that people always ask me is, how do you know when you're al- in alignment? And I'll always say, when you feel joy, mm. when things feel easy and effortless, that's how you know. When you are doing something that feels like it's so much effort, don't feel in alignment with this belief, but you're afraid of what other people are going to think because there's also a tribal mentality. And when you have a tribe that, that believes in certain things and you go outside that tribe, there's, there's a possibility of being excommunicated from that tribe. Right. And then we have to deal with that. And and so there's a lot of fear. So people will wear a mask and pretend out of fear of being kicked out of their family or their particular tribe that they're involved in. It's very complicated and there's so much to it. And And I like the idea of bringing these principles into everyday life and maybe having these principles infiltrate a tribe introduce it. Everyone's doing the best they can with what they have. Be impeccable with your word. These are, are, you know, be skeptical. These are all really beautiful concepts that have really changed the way I see the world. And I've read these books before, 
Mm-hmm. And and going back and revisiting them because I'm in a different place where I understand them in a different way. And and I can implement them in different ways than I have before. Yeah, I love that. And and you know, going back to the fifth agreement, being be skeptical, but learn to listen, like you had mentioned. Um, what I really loved, what I wrote down, I take notes, physical notes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, is it truth or is it not truth? Mm-hmm. Is it reality or is it a virtual reality? Because they talk a lot about in this book about yeah. um, virtual reality. And I loved this. It said truth doesn't need you to believe it. <laughs> it simply so is. True. like and how profound is that like I'm always you know whenever somebody you know is fighting really really hard for something or you know whatever pleads the fifth I'm like that just automatically means that you're guilty like because y- you wouldn't have a problem being honest about what's what's what happened what's going on what you think what you believe because it just is if it was true right or if you're hiding something then of course you're going to be a little bit defensive and cagey and and all of that and and so i just loved that like truth doesn't need to be loud or boastful it felt like yeah well and here's here's the thing and i and i talk about this in my book about truth you can have someone watch cnn Someone watch MSNBC and someone watch Fox. Every single person who's watching these shows or, or reading the New York Times or reading the Washington Post, whatever information you're getting, everyone thinks that they're getting the truth. Right. How can that be? It, you can't because a lot of these um, are editorialized and people are giving their own perspective on it. If you take time to realize that everyone is getting part of the truth and everyone is getting either lied to or the truth is missing by omission. The truth is missing. And I love what you said about truth doesn't need you to believe it um, because that's a very powerful thing. We also talk about the autonomic nervous system. When you're in that fight or flight situation, you're running from the saber-toothed tiger. The blood leaves your brain, goes out to your extremities, and now you don't have full cognitive thoughts. Uh, right. Thought on on and being really. Um, I'm trying to think of the word that I want to use, but basically, with the blood gone and and your autonomic nervous system is going to grab onto the first thing that makes sense to your own belief system and hold on to it as true. Right? Because you lose that emotional intelligence in that moment, right? Yes, that's yeah. it. That's the word that I was looking for was emotional intelligence. You lose that. And here's the other thing is when you think about not everything that makes sense is true and not everything that's true makes sense. Mm. When you grab onto a truth that resonates to you and it makes sense, it doesn't mean it's actually true. Yeah. And that's where the be skeptical has to come in and always be flexible. Look at this information. Go to both sides. Sometimes it's somewhere right in the middle. Sometimes we're just not meant to know because it's going to come later. 
I I always I I really love this book because it gives you pause to think about yeah. where you're headed, where you want to go, and and it teaches compassion for others. It's mm-hmm. it's a huge lesson for all of us to just be in that state of forgiveness and compassion and honoring each other. Yes. And I want to go back around for a moment because when you were talking about like, and I know that you talked about this on the last episode too, because it's in your book. Mm -hmm. When you talked about like Fox News has their truth and MSNBC has theirs and NBC and CNN and like all these different things are like telling a component of their truth. Like my, the visual that comes up for me and they talk a lot about symbols and symbology Mm -hmm. in this, in the fifth agreement um, was like a prism, right? Like with all the different light beams coming off, going different directions and being different colors, but it's coming out of the same unit, right? Like it's coming out of the same. It's like the universe has all these different dimensions and all these different facets and it doesn't make any of them wrong. It just means like how you're programmed is different than somebody else's belief system is programmed. It's not bad, but what really came to me in this conversation too, Lisa, which I want to make sure that we're saying for our beloved listeners is that you had mentioned you know, our own personal truth is what brings us joy. And for me, I know from my journey, it's been a lot about embodiment. How does this idea or statement or belief feel in my body? And when I feel into you know, I'll ask myself mundane questions like, oh, I'm going on a trip. Should I leave on Monday or should I leave on Sunday? Like, like things like that. And I will feel in my body as to like how that registers. And I think it's something that our culture has really gotten away from. And so this is just an invitation to like come back into the body actually has all the knowledge and knows exactly like is connected to the divine in a way Um, That sometimes our brain and they talk a lot about knowledge, like mind knowledge in this book, that's different, like book knowledge and like education knowledge. Uh, I know they used a better terminology than what I'm coming up with, but like how the knowledge is different than the truth. Right. And like if and, and I've found that for myself, when I have followed the truth of my body, when my body says, yes, I want to eat this, I have a better experience than my mind being like, but I want this. And it's like, well, no, like, or, or feeling like I have a flavor for something. Or like I said, like, you know, I had somebody ask me a question a couple of years ago about, oh, do you just want to go over here? You don't want to go that far. You want to come, re- you know, you just want to move to an apartment not far away. You don't want to move all the way back to Iowa. And when they said like move, you know, just a couple miles away, my body actually like turned in on itself. And I, I was like, oh, my body is shutting down. Like, that's a yeah. no. Like, that's a I'm, hard no. That's a hard pass. Like, my body says no, and it does not make logical sense. But when I follow the truth of the innate intelligence that's running through my body, yep. then my life works out better. And I feel like that's what this book is coming to of like when we 
be skeptical, learn to listen, know that you have been domesticated, know that you've, you know, been taught all of these beliefs, all of these structures, all these programmings, all this conditioning. We all have been. There's nothing wrong with that. And having compassion for where you are and where everybody else is along their own individual journey. Oh my God, just gives you so much space. What's really interesting when you talk about that domestication, what comes up is um, what happens when you've been domesticated to believe that a certain thing is true. And you would probably give your life for that as truth and then discover that it may not be true or it isn't true at all. And that's a hard thing to deal with. And it happens to many of us through everything. We find these out through relationships. We discover these things through all aspects of our life. And the, the knee-jerk reaction is to really hold on to it despite anything because we don't want to feel shame. Shame is one of the scariest things that we try to avoid. And, and here's what I found is that by honoring it, I did the best I could with what I had. This is what I had at the time. Letting go and then you start fresh and then you're saying, this is my new belief. And, right. and it, it's something that's always interesting to me, even in the case of politicians. All they have to say is, when a reporter asks someone, oh, 20 years ago, you wrote a paper about X, Y, Z, so this must be your stance. And then they're so busy defending it. I have more respect for someone who says, you're right. That used to be my belief system. But since then, I have learned this and this is why. Right. How amazing is that to hear people say that? Well, that goes back to taking 100% responsibility. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm the same Lisa, like, I don't know if I've shared this yet, but, but you know, I had a coworker many years ago and I used to make mistakes. Like I would write, be writing contracts and putting customer information in there for them, for the salespeople. And one of the salespeople came up to me one day and she was like, you know what? I can never be mad at you. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like I screw up all the time. She's like, yeah, but you screw up and then you are very honest about it. And you come forward to me and you say, yeah, I'm so sorry. That was my mistake. And I'm going to work on fixing that in the future. Right. And I always did. And I took things to heart and I really like did my best. Right. And, and it, that ownership, like I think that if more people understood we go through identity changes, through ego deaths. We we have these beliefs that have been ingrained in us. And then as we become more aware and we learn and we come into the truth of who we are, really who we are, you know, of course things are going to fall away. Oh, my God. I'm so grateful that I'm not the person that I was, you know, 21 years ago, 20 years ago or whatever. Right. Like that I've learned so much. Um, and I think, yeah. So I think we, I totally agree with you, Lisa. And I find that everyone has more respect for people when they just say, like, yeah, I screwed up or I used to believe that I did. I really, really believed that. That's why I wrote that paper. And what I've learned through life is that that's that doesn't that didn't align with me any longer. That didn't actually, you know, I've learned a different way. 
but people perceive it as a form of weakness. And I always say with vulnerability and, and Brene Brown is the queen of that, yeah. where she talks about how powerful you are when you own it. Yeah. When you own that vulnerability and you get up in front of all those people and say, Hey, I messed up. I was wrong. I have so much more respect for someone and people will listen because when you're speaking from your heart and you're telling your truth versus getting up and defending yourself and, you know, deflecting and all of that, right. People just get turned off by it. They yeah. don't, they don't trust you. They don't believe you. And in business and relationships, you need to establish trust. And I always said, I would rather know where I stand with someone then someone lie to me and suddenly ghost me and I have no idea and never find out what I did wrong because I want to learn. If yeah. I said something or I did something that screwed someone up and hurt someone, I want to know so that I can become a better person. Or if they just got triggered by me and it's work that they have to do and then I can say, not my problem. <laughs> Right. Well, and send love and blessings for them along their way. Exactly. And release, right? Like, yeah. 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 I mean, we can't, I think that's the other thing that they really talk about is like the people pleasing. And I think I yeah. talked about that a little bit in the beginning of the reward and punishment. We're always looking for the reward. And when we're rewarded for good behavior, we're rewarded for doing things that are you know, what other people desire us to do, then we feel good. And and we create an identity around that. And so I think the real work is like deconstructing that identity sometimes, not in order to upset other people, but in order to be really true to what brings us joy and, and in our full alignment of our full potential. Exactly. Exactly. Now, if you if you get a chance for the audience to read the four agreements and then the fifth agreement, there there are those kinds of books that you just can keep by your bedside or in the bathroom, and you just randomly open it up to a page, and even just reading a paragraph, you get so inspired, and there's so much wisdom, and and the things that I read, you know, maybe six months ago. I'm going to take on, have a different meaning a month from now, because I'm going to be a different person that's going to take in that information in a different way. And that's what I love about these. These are ancient teachings. These yeah. go back thousands of years. The Toltecs are, um, when you say they are artists and creators? Art artists and scientists. Scientists. So yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very fascinating. So yeah, definitely pick up this book if you haven't already. I, like Lisa said, I feel like it is, um, I feel like it's just a good book. I, I know people who revisit these books every year, mm -hmm. right? Because the fact of the matter is that we're growing and changing and evolving every single day in whatever way. And and they are, the, it, wisdom is going to hit you in a different way. I know that when I read The Four Agreements, this time for this podcast, it was different than the last time that I read it, which was different than the time before that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with going back to especially truth. Like when you read truth, you know it. And I, that's what I felt with these two books was like, maybe I hadn't heard things said in that particular way before, but in reading it, it was kind of this like, oh yeah, yeah, of course, of course, be impeccable with my word. Of course, don't make assumptions. Of course, you know, like, of course. Yeah. Be no, skeptical. Yeah, be skeptical. 
Don't have to take everything at face value. Right. Um, No, this was a gift. Thank you so much for suggesting it. Celeste has had some really amazing book ideas through this. Well, you've Um, had amazing book ideas as well. And your book is amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And that comes from a former book coach. So I really appreciate it. (laughs) I don't know that I was that great of a book coach, but (laughs) I appreciate that you appreciate it. (laughs) So that's amazing. So for our next book, we will be talking about Zero Limits by Dr. Mm. Joe Vitale and Dr. Ihalayakala Hulin. Um, I feel like this is the book to end all books. I mean, I only got introduced to it about two or three weeks ago and it has already shifted my entire life. And I don't say that lightly, like it has really been game changing for me. So I'm really excited for people to. Yeah. I read this book a year and a half ago and it changed my life. It, it was I think responsible, the techniques in there were responsible for clearing the way so that I could write the book that I did get on the path that I did, because not only again, the finger pointing at others and then three back at me, I was so busy forgiving other people that I realized that I had to start forgiving myself. Mm. And when I started doing the self-forgiveness, that's when the law of attraction kicks in and that's when magic happens. And this book, is magic when you do it right. Yes. All right. I don't want to give more away from it, yes. but it is. we're going to be talking about that next week. And I'm so excited um, because it's just going to be incredible. So if you want to listen in live with us, we will be live on YouTube and Facebook at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on Monday, August 22nd. And other than that, do you have any last words, Lisa? No, it's just such a thrill. I always love doing this with you. And uh, I welcome people um, to comment on their experience with the books and uh, hear from our our listeners. So I want to thank you so much. This was so much fun again. Uh, Always great conversations with you, Celeste. Thank you, Lisa. I feel the same. That's why this is magic. (laughs) Oh, my God. And Zero Limits is magic. So if you want to read along, listen. It's actually a really quick audio book, maybe six hours. Maybe I listen to a little bit of it every single day. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, pretty powerful. So thanks so much. And we will see you on the next episode. This has been... The Ease of Business podcast for enlightened entrepreneurs, hosted by Lisa Schumerhorn and Celeste Hartwell. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find us at theeaseofbusiness.com, on our Facebook page, and on YouTube at the Ease of Business podcast. We stream live on YouTube and Facebook every third Tuesday of the month. And we'd love it if you'd like to read the book that we're doing next and join in the conversation live at 7 p.m. Eastern. See you then.